0: Hey, what's up everyone? Henry here. Our today's guest is Anton Rozier, the CEO of Carver. Carver is an electric vehicle, which is not a moped and not a car. And you've probably seen one of those in one of the episodes of Top Gear. They really loved it. Yeah, Anton, thank you for having us here and at your headquarters in Leuwarden, Netherlands. It's really cool. Um, but yeah, please tell us what, what do you do here.
1: Oh, first of all, you're more than welcome. Uh, it's nice that you uh, came out here. Um, what we do here is uh, we assemble or do the uh, final assembly for the uh, the Carver vehicles. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the assembly has been taking place in South Korea. Uh, and uh, the vehicles um, arrive here in containers. And uh, we add all the electronics and the battery pack here. We test them, calibrate them, and uh, make them ready to go to uh, customers in Europe.
0: Because mm-hmm. with the vehicle, mm-hmm. uh, it's not really a car, not really a moped. Uh, what, what, what is it then? Well,
1: it's, it's basically a new category. It's, um, we, we tend to call it light EV mm-hmm. uh, or uh, left, but uh, light EV is something that's becoming more of a, uh, a known uh, a name for it. Uh, what you see happening is that the smallest car, the A-segment car, um, that's going to be very difficult in the, in the near future for the manufacturers. You see that prices are, you know, it's very competitive, they don't make any money on it. Um, and now they also need to, um, to add batteries to it because they need to electrify the, uh, um, the city cars. Um, so you see that the main manufacturers, car manufacturers, they're moving towards the B segment and higher because they can make some money in, in those segments. Um, so what you see happening is a big gap between electric bikes, electric mopeds and on the one hand and on the other side, you see the smallest electric vehicles like the Smart starting at 23,000 euros um, and uh, and that gap between the mopeds going up to maybe 6 to 8,000 euros and the 23, that's a whole new segment that's, um, um, well, that's opening up uh, at the moment, especially for urban vehicles.
0: Mm. price of your vehicle as well is uh, a lot more competitive.
1: Yeah, what what you see now is that we um, uh, we're very close to uh, the prices of uh, electric mopeds mm-hmm. and the uh, the more advanced uh, electric uh, bikes, uh, the high-speed pedelecs uh, kind of uh, uh, prices. Um, so w- because we still need to compete with petrol engine small cars, and uh, and they start at about you know ten to twelve thousand euros. Um, so we, we're now on, on, on the lower side of that segment, uh, but we expect our vehicles also to, uh, to grow into the other uh, areas and more towards uh, the car segment.
0: Mm-hmm. And the speed of the vehicle goes up to 45 kilometers. Well, we've, we've
1: started to, uh, to enter into this segment. You see that a lot of air, urban areas, um, they, they are restricted to 45 kilometers an hour in Europe. Uh, in Korea and Japan and, and most uh, Asian countries, uh, you're allowed to drive 60 kilometers an hour. So the vehicle um, is also being sold in in those countries, and then uh, we um, um, well <laughs> adjusted uh, software uh, to uh, to go to 60 kilometers an hour. Um, but we also see possibilities to uh, to move into higher segments. So the um, middle high uh, mm-hmm. uh, class, like uh, eighty to hundred kilometers an hour.
0: And you really <coughs> seems like h- hitting it with the, uh, especially like the world going nowadays with the direction of electric and taking less space in the, space in the cities and all that. I think yeah, there is that definitely a future for your vehicle as well.
1: Yeah, well, it, it goes back to the uh, the history of the of the uh, the company. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the, uh, the the founder was uh, Ton Vandenbrink. Uh, very uh, successful entrepreneur, um, a completely different um, uh, market uh, in the plastic machinery, uh, plastic uh, molding machinery. Um, but he, he was uh, sitting in his car uh, on, a, on a business trip in Paris um, by himself. Um, he had a very luxury big car, uh, not moving an inch because it was traffic on a Friday afternoon. He wanted to go home uh, but you know nothing was moving and uh, except for the motorbikes. and uh, and the mopeds and and he looked around and he thought well you know here i am in my car two thousand kilograms of steel to transport one person of 80 uh, kilograms so it doesn't make sense Mm -hmm. but then he looked at the motorbikes and um, uh, he thought well you know in this rain um, it's not very comfortable and it's it's not very safe Um, know you're very vulnerable on, on, a, on an open um, uh, vehicle. So then he thought you know can't we make kind of a, a, a merge between these two um, uh, well, um, uh, communities and um, so he came up um, with the idea to, uh, to make a, um, a vehicle that was as narrow and as agile as a motorbike um, but you would um, Operated like in a car and you would sit and have the luxury and the safety of a car um, so that was uh, the the beginning of the uh, um, the carver um, It turned out to be very difficult to uh, to make that because the dynamics of a, a motorbike are completely different from a car um, But um, in the end his, his son succeeded uh, Chris Vanderbrink, my partner in, uh, in the company. He succeeded in um, uh, discovering what the principle of a uh, tilting vehicles should be and, um, and going from there we developed more vehicles. Um, and then in um, 2010 uh, we changed the company into uh, a techno- technology company. So we sold all sorts of um, uh, licenses of the patents of the technology that we de- um, developed. Um, and then in 2015 we saw a lot of changes in, uh, in China. We did a lot of business in China and you saw that all the mopeds went um, to electric overnight um, and that there wasn't enough space for cars in the, in the cities. So, a lot of uh, Chinese uh, people, they, they got stuck between they, they had the money to buy a car but they, they weren't allowed on the, on the roads um, and the only alternative they had was, you know, a moped and then father, mother, child, you know, three people on a, on a moped is not a good idea. So we thought, you know, we have the perfect technology to make that moped and upgrade it a little bit towards a car and make space for, you know, initially we thought three people, but uh, uh, we ended up with a two-seater, uh, although the, uh, the rear is pretty, pretty spacious, so you could, um, could uh, drive it with three persons. If allowed, mm-hmm. um, so that's where we started the project, uh, and we decided to start um, designing our own uh, car again. Um, uh, so that's uh, that's the beginning of the uh, the current Carver.
0: Mm-hmm. That's great. <coughs> and for the beginning of you yourself as a person, you you grew up in like a automotive kind of family, I would say. Yeah.
1: Yes. Well, um, uh, actually, my great grandfather started importing. Um, uh, uh, Ford and, uh, and uh, Harley-Davidson motorbikes in, uh, in the Netherlands in 1904. And that grew out. He built uh, the first buses in, in the Netherlands on uh, four chassis. And uh, um, my grandfather, um, uh, he went to, uh, to Dearborn to learn uh, about building uh, cars. Um, but um, uh, in the end, my father sold uh, the, the company in 1991. Uh, Uh, I was a student then. I studied tax law, and I never thought I would come back to the automotive (laughs) industry. Um, But uh, it turned out that uh, it was uh, written in the stars.
0: Yeah, because how did it happen that you ended up studying tax and even getting a master's in (coughs) it?
1: Well, uh, because the the name was also always associated with with cars or mobility. Mm -hmm. Um, So a lot of my work for larger companies um, in the past also had to do with mobility, uh, and uh, through that I um, got into contact with uh, Chris Vandenbrink, my my partner, and um, and I decided to uh, to team up and uh, and start building a company with him. Did
0: this start right away after the university, or?
1: No, 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 no. I I um, started working for um, uh, international companies, um, all sorts of uh, uh, areas, and then. Um, uh, I decided that I wanted to, um, to have my own company, I moved to South Africa, um, I lived yeah. in Cape Town for a couple of years and um, uh, had my own company there in air filtration systems and uh, um, after three years I sold the company, came back to the Netherlands uh, and I was asked to, um, uh, to work for a, uh, also a mobility company in the Netherlands uh, called PON Holdings, the importer for uh, Volkswagen and Porsche and uh, uh, other brands. And although I never worked in that car section of this, um, mm-hmm. I was always involved in um, the decision making in, in that area. But uh, I worked in the total different uh, branches for them.
0: Mm-hmm. And how did that switch happen when you wanted to start work for mm-hmm. yourself and then kind of going back to the, in, in the corporate?
1: Um, that Well, I, I think the uh, the good thing about uh, PON was that um, um, it was a holding company with a lot of very independent companies uh, underneath. So I could be a little bit entrepreneur, uh, but at the same time, I well, I liked it a lot because you um, you had very smart people around you that um, uh, that you could um, spar with and, and change ideas and stuff like that. Uh, but I, I must say that after five years working in that company. Um, you know, it, um, uh, I, I. I found that you know, entrepreneurial uh, uh, things are more my thing than working for a large corporate.
0: Mm-hmm. And did you meet your partner during those years in the public?
1: No, I took over in a different company in um, uh, in a trading company. Um, so I left PON, um, uh, bought a a company uh, that was a trading uh, company, European. Um, and uh, but I was (coughs) during my uh, period upon I got to know a lot of investment companies and every time they had an investment or they planned an investment in a an automotive related industry um, uh, company um, they would ask me to um, uh, to do a little uh, research or um, uh, due diligence Um, so beside my own company that was something I did and I'd like to do it is always you know a couple of weeks and uh, and um, so one of these investment companies asked me to um, uh, to go visit uh, Carver they were um, having a lot of problems at the time 2009-2010 they built the Carver 1 which was a high speed uh, combustion engine Carver Uh, but they used the Daihatsu engine Um, Daihatsu was taken over by Toyota and Toyota was very reluctant to (coughs) to supply them with the uh, combustion engines Um, so production stopped um, so that cost a lot of money so they were looking for new investments and Mm -hmm. that's how I got involved in the
0: company Mm -hmm. because also that was the same (coughs) period they appeared on Top Gear and they really it there
1: yeah so they they became world famous I must say with uh, Top Gear but also with uh, Jay Leno's garage uh, uh, and many many others. Uh, I, I know that there were a lot of uh, Formula One races like uh, Jason Button. They, they just loved the Carver. They drove mm-hmm. it and they owned one. Um, so it was you know, very famous, um, but uh, it was also very expensive. So um, uh, Carver One cost uh, 40 to 50,000 euros, um, so it was more like a, a toy uh, for uh, not the wealthy uh,
0: <laughs> people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and then wh- wh- when you met Chris, wh- was it something you liked with Chris or you liked the vehicle or wh- 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 where the spark happened?
1: Well, the spark happened I think uh, on, on both aspects. Um, uh, I, the fandom brings Chris uh, and, and also his father, but also his brother, very entrepreneurial spirit. Um, they, they made a lot of money on, uh, with their first company. They lost a lot of money in the beginning of, uh, of Carver. But that was never an issue. Uh, The driver was to um, have an idea, um, to do an invention, to create that that invention and and create a company around it. Um, So it was never really money driven um, and that was something I really liked because it was passionate. uh, Passionate for mobility, passionate for solutions, uh, for problems they saw. And I think they um, you know the vision that they had, because we, we're talking the beginning of Carver, when the first idea started was 1994. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you know, and and throughout that period, and even towards 2000 and 2010, you saw the auto industry move to even heavier vehicles, faster vehicles. Uh, you had the Hummer. Um, I mean. How, how crazy can you get? I mean with that hammer driving in a city uh, using a gallon on, on, on a mile or something um, it doesn't make sense and um, so you know what what did ticket with me was that I wanted I was gone from the automotive industry for a while and when I came back I saw that it changed you saw that um, cars became heavier and heavier Um, uh, more and more traffic so uh, you got stuck in traffic every day um, and still we wanted to build bigger cars there was no parking space available but we wanted to park bigger cars in the cities Um, and uh, and then I got to talk with Defender Brinks and their vision and I thought yes but this is it you know Um, it's very nice to have a big car if you go on holiday if you go skiing in the Alps you want to take friends with and you know you need that big car But for your daily commute, you want something that is, you know, um, practical, but also fun, because you want to have a fun ride every day. And with Carver, um, so on the one side, it clicked on on the entrepreneurial side, but on the other side, it clicked because the fun fun aspect was so important to them. Um, By the way, um, Carver comes from skiing carver. Mm -hmm. Um, Chris Vandenbrink is also the inventor of the snowboard. Uh Um, So uh, when his dad called him he was in Austria uh, designing snowboards um, because he was a a keen server uh, and also a keen skier and he thought well yeah both um, that skiing is a bit dull a bit boring so let's make something new and uh, so he created the snowboard. so that's where the the Carver comes from. Mm-hmm. And then his dad called and said, "Well, listen, we're working on this new program for a new vehicle that I, you know, think we should have." And then he came back and uh, and designed the
0: vehicle. Because yeah, when dri- when driving Carver, when you go like side to side, it's the same as snowboarding. It's exactly yeah. the
1: same. So that's a lot of, you know, very little people know it, but that's where the name Carver comes from. And also, if you drive it, that's really the feeling, you know, that's that very natural movement to uh, to tilt when you take a corner. Mm-hmm. Um, if you uh, drive a very fast car, you go through a corner, being pushed to to uh, you know to one side. Um, but with a carver, you're always being pushed down, like like uh, you know flying the road.
0: Yeah, it's definitely a lot of fun. <laughs> and yeah. h- How do you complement each other then <laughs> with Chris?
1: Uh, we're completely different. Uh, oh. uh, so he's a, uh, an aeronautical engineer. Um, Um, Well, you know, uh, but I I think he's he's brilliant in his field, Um, uh, but he is capable of understanding a lot about marketing, about what people want, uh, about business. Uh, My side is more the business side, the financial side, uh, sales. um, But, um, you know, coming from from an automotive um, uh, uh, family, I've had the uh, upbringing in, you know, with dealerships and with uh, import ships and so the technical side i can understand not as he can but you know enough to uh, to be able to uh, to talk uh, um, and to well discuss things together Mm -hmm. and uh, i I think together we come to the best ideas Mm
0: -hmm. and then from your side uh, Mm -hmm. because as you you probably need to build a company culture and uh, what, what kind of culture you're building here
1: Well, as you can see, we, we, you know, all the offices and everything here is glass. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's a reflection of our wish to uh, be a very transparent company. Um, So I think um, in a certain way, we are very um, Dutch conservative uh, in the sense that we um, I always compare it to uh, American companies. you know, they are um, they, they, when they have a good idea, they get a lot of investment in, so a lot of money they can burn, um, so they need to make a lot of noise even though they don't have any product yet. Um, and that's a different um, way of how we do things. So we, uh, we tend to do things without a lot of money, um, so very quiet, so we develop for a long time without you know, um, making it known to the world. Uh, and once we have something, yes, we are very proud of it. And now we have that step to, uh, to become um, known to, to the public. Um, not saying that uh, the, 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 the one way is better than the other way, but it's just like we are. Um, so that's also the culture that we build into, um, uh, well, the, the whole atmosphere, um, prove that we can do things and, and then make it known and then, you know, be proud of it. and, and uh, start um, publicizing it.
0: Yeah, definitely, because I definitely see it in your marketing because uh, you, you do the walk the walk with the recent uh, bucket video yeah. and, and the new, new cargo delivery bike. Right. With the <laughs> tilting it's really cool. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Otherwise, it's also y- your new model as well, the cargo delivery. Yeah. Because um, you now more will be focused also to B2B side.
1: What you see happening now, if you, if you take a little uh, van into a city, and you have to you know, deliver something You at add the address, you block the whole traffic, you, you block the road. So it's not only annoying for the people waiting for you to get it, your package delivered, but it's all also very stressful for the driver. So our advantage is that we're never in the way, because you, know, you park it on the side of the road and everybody can pass, um, so you're much faster through traffic, you're never in the way, and it's much less stressful for for your um, uh, delivery guys.
0: And it's fun for them as well to drive the car. Um,
1: so we, we uh, created a car that is very high tech uh, on the uh, technology that's inside, but high tech is very in- inexpensive to produce. But at the same time, you have a lot of luxury that you would have in a car, uh, and, and a, a lot more safety than on a moped and comfort. Mm-hmm.
0: And definitely, uh, mm-hmm. heading car Carrefour is like a lot of work for you in the daily life, but do you still have time to do other things uh, outside of work?
1: But to be honest with you, uh, it is so much fun, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's uh, maybe a cliché, but it doesn't really feel like work. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's really passionate. We have so many possibilities still, and there's so many markets that we can conquer, and we there's so many new ideas that we have for the future, uh, so that we can build um, you know, different vehicles. Uh, talking about, you know, uh, small taxis, uh, yeah. um, for example. You know, there are so many ideas that we have that we would to, uh, like to develop as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, no, it doesn't really feel like work yet.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, what could be your advice then to young or like older uh, people out there who want to do entrepreneurship and want to risk it?
1: Oh, just do it. <laughs> That's it. The, the Nike, yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> just do it. now. I think that the entrepreneurial, um, you don't um, don't don't be an entrepreneur because you want to be an entrepreneur, but if, if you feel that you um, you have ideas that you can't really um, do within a larger company, uh, then then just start your own thing and just do it. Um, and don't be afraid to fail, I mean, uh, um, you, you'll have ups and downs, <laughs> but you'll survive, you know, and uh, just start over again and, uh, but do it honestly. Um, I mean, nobody can say, well, you failed and I won't help you again uh, if, if you've done it honestly and uh, with the best intentions. Yeah.
0: That's great. And then for the last question, uh, you'll be going public. Uh, how do you feel about it?
1: <laughs> well, it's it's a small step. We're going mm-hmm. public on uh, um, uh, a small uh, stock exchange for smaller uh, companies, uh, but maybe it's uh, it's a step up to something even bigger. Um, for now, it um, it allows people to um, uh, to invest in us, uh, which is also nice because it, it's a, a different um, um, you get. Uh, different dynamics, um, to talk to investors and and learn how they look at the company and also see if they approve of your uh, strategy, if they approve of um, uh, your way forward. Um, It's important to me. Um, I hope that uh, the people who are investing in us will also become either ambassador um, or very involved by giving us feedback on how they think uh, things should be. Uh, run. Um, I think that's um, uh, a big advantage. Uh, and of course, the money is welcome. We have great ambitions. I think we have a, a very good product, actually two very good products, um, one for the, uh, the cargo and, and, and the other one for personal transport. Uh, with COVID, it's a safe way to travel. Um, a lot of, uh, especially all the people don't want to use uh, public transportation anymore so getting all these people into cars is not a solution so we have a good solution for that thanks for watching
0: and i hope that brought you some value like and follow on youtube spotify and apple podcasts or any other podcasts you use and as always Henry out